All right, well, good morning. We are glad you're here. For those of you, if you don't know, my name is Paul. I'm the pastor here at Cross Point Fellowship. We are so glad that you have joined us today. This is uh, our fourth week in our marriage series. I didn't advertise today's subject because I knew people would skip, but I'll tell you now that sex is what we are talking about today. Okay, now, this is what I'll tell you because I want you to be aware of this. There's nothing that is going to be intentionally crude. There's no uh, puns or... Uh, wisecracks or anything like that. That's not the goal of today, okay? But for too long, the church has, I think Siri just answered me on something. Don't do that. Uh, For too long, the church has allowed the outside world to control the narrative around sex. And because that's happened, we have in a lot of homes an unhealthy view of it. And so as a church, we have a duty to talk about sex. We're going to be talking about that today. If you have a youth age student who one day, stop talking to me. Go away. Um, yeah, that's mine. So, right, we, we, if you have a youth age child in here, here's the deal. Uh, they know way more about sex than you would have ever wanted them to. Uh, the average age for the first introduction to pornography, unfortunately, is 11 years old. So if you'd have a young one, guard against that. The average age for the first sexual experience is now 16. So kids are getting this stuff more and more quickly than they ever have in history. Uh, they need to have this talk as much as any of us do because they need to have a healthy view of what sex is all about as well, okay? So with that in mind, I just want you to know that that's where we're headed. Now, we have to set the record straight about sex, okay? It's an important and healthy part of any good marriage, okay? But um, sometimes we place far too great importance on it. Uh, So we're going to be looking at those kind of contrasting views today. Uh, The thing is that uh, if we don't look at sex from the different perspectives of how a man and a woman look at sex, then sex ceases to be a uniting point for us and actually does the opposite. It will divide us in our marriages, and we don't want that. Now, there's a million things that I could say today, and again, I want to remind you of something else that we are talking about generalities, okay? So I'm talking uh, general man, general woman that are healthy man and healthy woman. There are situations that are involved in your sex life that we will not be discussing today. Two such things like possible abuse or uh, physical condition that that affects your sex life, okay, we're talking about the sex life of a healthy man, healthy woman, uh, emotionally and physically. So if for whatever reason there's something, understand, okay, that I'm not here to like make you feel bad about that situation you're dealing with. We're just talking in a general sense, okay? So when it comes to sex, there's typically two contrasting parties. There's the side of the party that that puts way too much emphasis on sex. I mentioned that. And then there's the side that doesn't put enough emphasis on sex. And when we boil it down, the, the issue is really between two cultures. There's a porn culture and there's a church culture. There's the porn culture that says, uh, hey, sex sells. It puts sex in everything. You need a new toothbrush. Here's a scantily clad woman to sell it to you. Uh, you need a new car. Well, here's something else. Sex sells, right? And, and we put it in everything and anything and kids see it no matter what. Like, hey, you've, the car's important. Uh, you got to have the sexy car. You got to have the sexy career. You got to have this. You got to have that. And, and we just overemphasize it. And so kids, if we don't talk about it in church and we don't talk about it from a cr- Christian perspective, our kids start to think that sex is of ultimate importance when it's not. Okay. But there's also that other side where it says like, hey, we, 
you know, sex is really not that important and it shouldn't be that big part of a marriage. And that side is wrong as well. Okay. So how do we deal with those two conflicting views? Okay. First thing I want us to understand is that sex is a gift from God. Okay, young people hear me on this. Sex is a gift from God. We don't tell you not to have sex before you're married because it's evil. Okay, that's not the goal. That's not the focus. And it is the greatest symbol of intimacy that two people can share. It is, were you agreeing, Winifred? Amen. Uh, It's the greatest symbol of intimacy that two people can share, but it's not what life is all about. It is not what life is all about. When we view sex through the lens of porn culture, we skew that symbol, that gift that God has given us, okay? And we take it and we turn it on its head and it becomes something it was never, ever meant to be. So the first place we're going to look at is where sex does not belong, okay? This is where sex does not belong. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along with the live event. But that, those verses say, flee from sexual immorality, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the word that translates into sexual immorality is pornea. It's where we get the modern day word porn from. Now, the fact that this word exists, and we see it 65 times, okay, 65 times in the New Testament, the fact that this word even exists points to the idea that there is a right way to do sex and there is a wrong way to do sex. There's an unhealthy view of sex and there's a healthy view of sex. Sex does not belong outside of the confines of marriage. Okay, so anything that when we look at when pornea is used, it's talking about any sexual experience outside of the confines of marriage. Now, is there any specific verse that says these exact words? No, there is not. But if we look in Genesis chapter 2, 24, we've seen this verse over and over again. All right, it tells us that for this reason, a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Let me speak to the few young people that we have uh, in the room today, and maybe some that will see this online. Share it with your friends. Okay, your job, men, I'm talking to the young men right now, okay, that are in here and that need to hear this. Your job is young men is to lead your significant other. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend should never feel pressured to have to turn you down for sex before you're married. It is your job to be the leader. You shouldn't put them in that compromising position. Okay, it just should not happen. You shouldn't be pressuring anybody to do anything that neither one of you is ready for. Because listen, here's the deal. If you still live with mommy and daddy, if you're still blogging from the basement and playing video games and eating Doritos and they're paying all your bills, guess what? You are not ready for sex, okay? Plain and simple, if you have not left mom and dad to be united with the spouse, you are not ready for this game. And the issue is that in the church and out of the church, we have far too many young folk that want to play the adult game while still living the kid life. The issue is when you play the adult game, you get adult consequences, okay? And so there's a very real reason that we tell you, hey, you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. A couple of those are pretty straightforward. Believe it or not, God is a logical God. You know what happens if you only have sex with one person? You don't get diseases. Doesn't happen. You know what happens if you only have sex with one person? If you end up pregnant and you're in a covenant loving relationship, that person will be there to support you and stay with you and help you raise that child. If you do that outside of the covenant of a loving relationship and you end up pregnant, guess what? There's not a lot that makes Prince Charming stick around. He doesn't have to, okay? And so 
there's a very logical reason for why God says, hey, this is meant for marriage. This is a gift I give to you. It's something that we can look forward to. It's something that can be a great part of your life. But if you're not married, it should not be a part of your life yet. Okay, it should not be a part of your life yet. Adam and Eve had sex inside of their covenant marriage. They were alone with one another. Nothing else was involved. Anything outside of a male-female covenant, uh, one woman, one man relationship that is sexual is immoral. It just is. Okay? And you can get mad at me for that. You can argue with me about that. You will lose because I'm telling the truth. Okay? So just understand that that's where we're at. Now, young people, I'm still talking to you. And hey, sometimes if you're older and you're dating, people want to list too. They want to list. Well, pastor, what are the things that I'm allowed to do? What are the things I'm allowed to do? What does the Bible say I can and can't do? The Bible doesn't give you a list because you would do what you always do. You would find the one thing that's not on it and you would try to do that, right? You'd say, well, this wasn't specifically listed, okay? So here's what I'll tell you. Anything that you were uncomfortable doing in front of mom and dad, you should not do. And if you have questions about it, guess what? Don't do it. Don't do it. I saw one pastor, I, I watched different sermons and did different things, and he said, you know, he's got two little girls like I do, so I'm able to relate. And he said, you know, I came up with this list with them in mind. And, and his list was this, you can hold hands and a bit of light kissing, and that is the end, right? And I'm going to stop it at holding hands for mine. You can hold hands, uh, do nothing else. I'm sure that won't work, and I'll be yelled at a lot, uh, but hey, I can try. I can wish, I can dream, all those things, okay? But if you aren't sure, the answer is no. Now, switching gears, switching gears. Uh, actually, real quick, one of the things I need to mention too. So within porn culture, we have too many men in the church who watch porn, who are addicted to porn, okay? First of all, I would say this, one time is enough. Do I think there's a difference between I slipped up and a full-blown addiction? Yes, I do. But one time is too many, okay? Porn culture teaches us all the wrong things, it tells us all the wrong things, and it makes us think that um, we have to look at sex in this different way, and it, it, it starts to turn our minds into this unhealthy view of what sex is, and then we have unrealistic expectations of our spouses in the future, uh, or even our spouses now, and it completely corrupts the gift that we've been given, because we start to think that sex is about all these weird different things that it's not, right? Like the things we can do, and the places we can do it, and, and, and it's just, no, porn has to be completely eradicated from our lives, okay? There's a reason that porn comes from the Greek word pornea. It is sexually immoral. And a lot of people who produce porn will tell you they know it and they don't care. Okay? They know it and they don't care. If it's a part of your life, do whatever you have to do to stomp it out. I will not be shy. I admit my faults all the time. I have told you before that the biggest struggle I've ever faced in my life is lust. My favorite show at three years old wasn't Barney, wasn't Mickey Mouse. It was Baywatch. I knew what time it came on. I knew what channel it came on, and it was because C.J. Parker was going to be in a bikini. That is why it was my favorite show. Nat I believe When people say, hey, I was born with sin, I agree with that. I think that we were all born with sin. We were born into sin, and some of us struggle more naturally with other sins than others. For whatever reason, lust has been mine. And there have been times in life where it has made me downright suicidal because I hate that that is something that I deal with. And I don't want to be that person. It makes me feel gross. It makes me feel disgusting. It makes me feel worthless. I don't like any part of it. Is it something that I struggle with every day? No. Am I a porn addict? No, I'm not. But you know what I have done? Things that I can do to make sure that that stuff doesn't become an issue. I put clean DNS on my server at home. So 
Even if I ever, for whatever reason, have the inkling to look that stuff up, I can't get it. There's restrictions and passcodes on my phone. You don't want to know who has that? Jerrica. Sometimes I'll be looking something up uh, and it won't let me say it because some word made it think it was adult link. I don't have to hand the phone to Jerrica and say, hey, put in the passcode. And it looks weird and it might be annoying to her, but hey, it protects me. And by protecting me, it protects her. So if you are struggling with something like that, find somebody uh, that can be a confidant for you. Find somebody that can be a partner with you to hold you accountable that you know isn't going to judge you, but will still keep you on the right track. Okay, and if you need to talk to me about that, talk to me because there's so many resources out there that we can use. All right, so just know that that's there. Now, okay, now I'm going to switch gears. For a long time, the church has been accused of stomping out sexuality, right? Not allowing people to grow into it and explore their sexuality. That's not what this sermon is. I want to be very clear. That is not what this sermon is. This sermon is, hey, sex is the best thing in the whole wide world. It is a gift from God. It will be such a great part of your life. It should be such a great part of your life. It may be your favorite part about life, okay? But it needs to happen inside of a covenant relationship sermon. That's what this sermon is, okay? That's what this sermon is. Now, research, if you need another reason, young people and old people and everybody else, research shows that the most sexually satisfied people are those who are married, which fights against porn culture that tells you, hey, the best sex happens at random with strangers, no matter where you're at, what you're doing, and you've got to have variety, right? You've got to have all this variety, and that's the only thing that's going to make you happy. Guess what, church? Not true. Not true. When you can build a strong relationship with your spouse, right, together in, in the safety and security of your covenant marriage, and you can explore one another and have fun together and learn about the different things that you want and need, that's when sex is great. And research has shown that, hey, people who are in that type of relationship, who have had that long-standing uh, commitment, they have the best sex, they have the best sex. They are the most satisfied. In fact, the people who report being the most sexually satisfied are those that have been married 15 to 20 years. If you're not there yet, guess what? There's still hope for you, right? There's still hope for you. But 15 to 20 years, it takes time to learn one another, to, to, to build those boundaries and find out what one another needs. And when you really learn to love that person and grow with that person and share life with that person, then your sex life will be so much more incredible and better. Now, sex is interconnected with everything. Our spirituality, our psychology, our emotions. Um, church needs to push against sex being everything. We have to do that because sex is not everything. We have to push against porn culture. But, 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 we also have to talk about it because the opposite of porn culture has become church culture. Church culture. We need to stop acting like sex does not exist. Okay? Especially with our young people. We need to stop asking, acting like, like sex does not exist and like it's not important. For thousands of years, the church has taught that the only reason we should have sex is to procreate. How boring is that? How boring is that? God literally put Adam and Eve naked in the garden, told them the next to be fruitful and multiply. Like, it's meant to be part of your life, a big part of your life. It's not, why do we look at it that way? Why do we look at it that way? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 7, because Paul, this is one of the passages that Paul specifically addresses sex. He says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's not Paul's words. He's not making that statement. He's replying to a statement that was made, to the church, that, that was made by the church in Corinth. 
Okay, now for the matters you wrote about, it's not good for a man to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Own wife, own husband. You and him, okay, or you and her. No one else needs to be involved. Got it? Good. Now, moving on. The husband should fulfill his marital, marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way. I feel like I need to yell that. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent together, making this decision together for a time so that you may devote, devote yourselves to prayer. So hey, have sex all the rest of the time, but if you decide together to, to take a break, pray, right? Pray. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So Paul's basically saying, hey, my gift, my spiritual gift is that I can be single. I'm not tempted by the opposite sex. But for the rest of us, understand that you should be having sex with your wife and with your husband in that covenant relationship. Otherwise, you may fall into sexual immorality and things may spiral downhill for you. Paul understands that this is a gift given by God. He understands that it's ne necessary to, to fuel the population and to fuel Christianity, right? But he wants people to understand that this isn't bad, right? This isn't evil. This is something that you should be doing. You should just be doing it the right way with your spouse. Don't deny your spouse of their marital rights. Don't, don't deny your spouse of yourself. Paul writes this passage speaking out against the, the fact that sex was bad. So we in the church need to stop viewing it like that. Too many of us act like if we say the word sex that God's going to like smite us, right? We're, we're worried about immediate judgment. Sex, right? Or we don't want other people to hear because what if they judge us too? Like it's somehow this dirty thing. Newsflash, this is not the case. Okay, it's not the case. Sex is found throughout the entire Bible. It's openly discussed by God, here by Paul. Read the Song of Solomon, people. That's all it is. Read it. Yeah, I'm your daddy. That's right. So let's not be shy, okay? Let's not be shy. Let's stop hiding from the subject. Looking at our passage, God demands sex within marriage. Now, Paul is saying, hey, I'm saying this as a, uh, a concession, not a command. But, but God is making it clear that, like, hey, this needs to be a part of your relationship. Otherwise, you are going to experience some major problems in that relationship because the temptation is still going to be there. The man's desire for sex is going to still be there. The woman's desire for sex is still going to be there. And if you guys aren't giving that to one another, then you're going to end up looking for it elsewhere. And that's when we come into some really big problems. Okay, do not deny one another of sex in your marriage. Women, hear me on this. Hear me on this. Sex is not a bargaining chip to get what you want, okay? It's not, hey, we can have sex, but then I need you to do this honey-do list. It's not a bargaining chip. Men, likewise, doing what your wife wants is not a guarantee or a bargaining chip for sex. We should be serving our wives because we love them, not because we expect to get something out of it, right? And I'm stupid, man. I've done stuff like that before, Jared say, hey, can you do that? Yeah, but later, can't, and she's like, why can't you just do it? Oh, I, you're right, I can, right? I'll admit it, I'm dumb, okay? I, I do dumb things. Men are dumb. We naturally just kind of walk around in that sex and food thought process, <laughs> and not much else kind of gets in there, right? And so we've all been there. Women, they're like nodding amen. Husband, learn this. 
ultimately, though, we have to understand that like most things, men and women look at sex differently. Mentally, okay, men think about sex more than anything else. You can fault us for it. You can hate us for it. You can do whatever you want. It's what we think about, okay, randomly. And we can jump from any subject to, to straight to sex, right? Like, wife can come home. She can say, I am deathly ill. I feel like I'm about to pass out. I might be dying. And we'll say, well, you know, we never know how much time we have left. Maybe we should have sex more. <laughs> what? Like, we can take any subject and go straight to it and, and be fine and be ready to go. Women, they don't work that way, okay? They don't work that way. They like to think with their brains, okay? They like to be intelligent uh, and, and think things through and actually have logical reasons behind stuff. Men, that's not so much, not so much. And hey, I have to tell you this. Thank the Lord that women don't think the same way we do because we would never get anything done, right? <laughs> Ever. If we had the same thought process all the time, nothing would ever get done. We would be busy and conflicted and late to work and all the other stuff all the time. It would be miserable. There's a good reason that God made us different. Okay, there's a good reason that God made us different. Physiologically, okay, physiologically, men have to have a release. They just do. Eventually, if we don't have it, it will happen on its own. That is called a wet dream. Again, I'm not trying to be perverted. I'm not trying to be dirty. I'm just telling you facts. Men have to have a release. Eventually, if we don't happen, have it, it will happen. Um, having an orgasm for us isn't hard. Like, it, it's not difficult. And that's unfortunate for our wives a lot of times. One sexual psychologist stated uh, that men are a lot like balloons, right? Eventually, they just expand, they expand, they expand, and then they burst. Okay, men, listen to this, because we know how we work, and women know how we work, because we're simple creatures, okay? But men, you need to hear this. That same psychologist also said that women often act a lot like a teeter-totter, okay? One minute, they can be really high, and like in the mood, and things are going well, and, and hey, the Marvin Gaye's playing, and you made dinner, and everything's great, and like things are going perfect. And then she remembers, oh, I don't think I remember to do this at work. And all of a sudden, teeter-totters, boof. And she can be completely done. She was good. She was there. But now she's not anymore because she had something else that came on her plate. And now the teeter-totter has swung, right? And meanwhile, men are praying that the work burns down. Maybe if it just burns down, we'll have to worry about this, right? Like, we think about things completely different naturally. That's just how it occurs. That's how it occurs. So, men, remove the things. You want to have sex more in your life, remove the things that cause the teeter to happen, Okay, try to take care of stuff. Like your wife can't remember she put the leftovers away. Maybe she won't have to if you step in and do it, right? If she doesn't remember she made lunches that night for the kids the next day, maybe she wouldn't have to if you stepped in and did it. If you take away all these things that she worries about, right, some of the times, hey, guess what? That's going to improve your chances. That's going to help things out, right? You think you're doing laundry, and your wife's like, oh, thanks for doing laundry. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm not doing laundry. I'm making love, right? Like, I'm, I'm folding stuff. I'm putting it away. I'm getting everything ready. I'm going to take all the distractions out of the way, and we are going to be able to do this, right? But we have to understand that women don't think the same way we do, okay? We can go from one thing right to sex. That's not how it works for them. And so, we need to understand this. Ladies, show us a little bit of grace. You, why are you always thinking about sex? We just are, okay? I wish there was a better answer. I wish we could have some improvement there, but just naturally, that's, that's what happens, okay? It just is. Now, 
The biggest difference between a man and a woman when it comes to sex, and this is key, this is important. Men, this is important for you to understand. Women, this is important for you to understand as well. The biggest difference between a man and a woman when it comes to sex, as one writer put it, is that for men, the doorway into intimacy is sex. Men, have you ever heard your wife say, I wish we could be intimate in more way than just sexually? Right? Well, women, you need to understand that the doorway into that realm for us is sex. Is that fair? Maybe not. But you want to have your man talk to you, you want to have conversations, you want to get into feelings, y'all have sex, they will not shut up afterwards. They will be a chatterbox. You can ask them any question, they will answer everything. They will talk to you all night long after it happens. That's just the truth. But here's the thing, for women, it's the opposite. For women, it's the opposite. The doorway into sex is intimacy. So from a man, we move from our body to our head, right? From, for a woman, they move from their head to their body. That difference is, is very key for us to understand and to realize and, and to be able to work with, all right? Women, sometimes maybe you'll have to concede a little bit and, and have sex when you're not quite feeling it. Listen to me when I say this because I'm not saying that like your husband should be able to force you to have sex whenever he wants. I'm not saying that. That's not okay. That is wrong. That's an abusive relationship. But I'm saying sometimes when you are like, I could or I couldn't, maybe you just do, Okay? That's just me being frank. Men, you need to understand that your wife needs more than just your body because let's look around the room. Our bodies are not that great, okay? (laughs) We are not giving out wonderful gifts to our wives right now, okay? They're dealing with what we've got and God bless them for it, okay? But you need to understand. That's okay. See, sex can be fun. We can laugh about it. But you need to understand that your wife needs more than just the physical things that you can give her. And so you need to strive to mold yourself as well in that same way, to stretch a little bit and to, to, to be able to be open to new things, right? And, and trying new ways to go back. Because this is what happens. We go through this issue where men ask to have sex and women aren't there in the intimacy realm. And then what do guys do? They turn their backs and then they, they, they don't even try Like, well, you don't want sex? Then I guess I'll just go to bed. I've done it. I'm an idiot. I told you that. Okay? When we do that thing, it's really dumb. Our wife is sinking intimacy so that we can get sex. We want sex, or she can get to the place where she's okay with having sex. We want sex, but then the minute we are told no, we we turn off the intimacy. Right? And then vice versa. Wives sometimes, I know it's true. Don't, Don't lie. Don't say it doesn't happen. Sometimes we withhold sex. We're not having sex because I don't feel close to you right now. Why would I want to have sex with you, right? We withhold that until we get what we want, and we're going in this circle this whole time. We never actually come together and meet, and that's a major problem. Man, if you want to turn your wife on, I already told you this, you need to shut her brain off. You need to prepare. You need to do all the things. Take away Okay, all the distractions that she has, because like we talked about earlier in our series, women's brain is constantly going. Everything's interconnected. It never stops. You need to do everything you can to slow that down and to stop her brain so that she can just focus on being with you. If she's thinking about all the things that she needs to get done and hasn't got done yet, you are never going to get to that place, right? If halfway through the process, she can't remember if she turned off the oven or not, it's going to be a problem, okay? And the teeter-totter is going to swing, and then she's just going to be done, Now, one of the biggest issues 
that we are having in, in, in our marriages that we are not having sex enough. I'm almost to the end. I'm trying to get through this as quick. But one of the biggest issues we have in marriage is that we aren't having sex enough. Martin Luther, like the Martin Luther that nailed the 95 thesis to the door that, that, that reformed church as we know it, he said, had this quote. He says, twice a week keeps the tempter away. Twice a week keeps the tempter away. That seems to actually be a number that most people shoot for. Because in a study of 17, 1,700 Christian couples, 97% of men said they wish they had sex more, right? And the option was like one to three times a week. We're shocked, I know, okay? 87% of women stated that they wish that they had sex more too. See, as men, we don't want to think that, oh, she just never wants to have sex. That's not true. Women want to have sex more on average, okay? 87% of women in this 1,700-couple study decided that they wanted to have sex more. It's just all the things that got in the way, all the distractions of the week, all the busyness that they had to do, all the things that they had to take care of, the kids and lunches and school and their own work and everything else, and men weren't doing enough to kind of remove those distractions to help them out. Okay, now the actual number of couples that were having sex one to three times was not 87%. That number was a lot lower. It was a lot lower because of all, again, the things we talked about, being disconnected, being busy. We need to make our partners a priority. I'm almost done here. Okay, we need to make our partners a priority. You won't be sorry that you have. Okay, you will have more sex if you do. But you have to understand, okay, that it's, it's God's part of God's divine plan for your marriage is to have this type of relationship. And so we need to be working together to make sure that, hey, this happens more. Maybe you're a person or a couple that needs to schedule it, right? We don't like scheduling. I, I, it removes all the romance. But hey, maybe if you know that this is going to happen every Thursday at whatever time, right? Women, you can psych yourselves up for it a little bit. Men, you can prepare. You can be doing things around the house. You can make sure all the distractions are removed. So if you know it's happening, you know it's coming, you can both look forward to it. You can both get mentally ready. You can both get to that place. Maybe that's where we need to be until we get to where we want to be together. But just understand that sex is not only a gift from God, it's supposed to be part of the marriage that you have with your partner. And if you're doing it the right way, it will do nothing but just bond you together right? What is the goal of marriage? To be unified. One man, one wife has a representation of Christ in the church. Nothing will unify you better than a healthy sex life. So we have to be willing to talk to each other about it. You have an assignment. Here's your assignment. Two parts, okay? You're married. Go home. Talk to your significant other about what they need, what they want. Maybe it'll make you feel awkward, okay? But that's your homework. Do that. What do you need and hey, maybe what she needs is for you to help with the dishes more. Maybe what she needs is for you to help out with the kids more. Maybe what she needs is for you to fold laundry and do different things like that, okay, and help out more around the house. Maybe that's what she needs. Maybe it's some sort of sexual something that she wants to happen in the bedroom. That'll be a fun conversation for you. But go have that conversation. And at some point during this week, because we as the church like to think that sex is so boring and that the, the Bible is anti-sex, why we think that, I don't know. At some point this week, sit down and read Song of Solomon together. I'm not even playing. I'm not joking. Read it together. There are some things I would suggest you not say. Like he, he tells his wife at one point, uh, your belly is like a heap of weed or something like that. Don't say that, right? I'm not telling you to get your lines from Song of Solomon. But Song of Solomon is all about passion. It's about a newlywed couple who's coming together and exploring one another and loving one another. And guess what? It is included in our Bible. Okay? So go home and read that at some point this week. In the end, this is what I want you to know. You should be having sex as often as you and your spouse decide that you need to have sex. 
And as long as you are staying within your relationship, you may explore one another's bodies and have as much fun with it as you possibly can. But also, we need to be compromising and supportive of our spouse's boundaries. Okay? So those two things together, those two things together. I've rambled on. I know it's been all over the place. I'm going to pray. I'm going to try to get us out of here. I'm sorry that I went long, but there's a lot that needs to be said. You know, church, we talk about sex one time a week, so I had to get it all out there. Or one time a, one time a year. If we talked about it one time a week, maybe we'd all be in a better place. We'd be a much happier church. I don't know what to tell you. Let's pray. Lord, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. God, hopefully we all see the benefit in this sermon. We all see the benefit in the scripture that you have provided for us and the teachings that you have uh, given to us to, to talk about sex and to learn about sex. And, and Lord, the science, the science that, that talks about the different things that we need in sex. I, I'm a firm believer that you have provided that for us as well. God, help us to use all of our resources and all of our information to learn how to be the best spouse for our significant other. Because in the end, that's what it's about. It's about, it's about loving our spouse like Christ loved the church. It's about putting them first and serving them. And God, sex is such an important part of marriage. It's not the most important thing, no. But it's something that has to be there. The three biggest issues that people complain about, money, sex, communication. So we have to talk about it. And we can't be afraid of it. God, give us the courage to have these conversations with our spouses because they make us feel awkward and they make us feel weird. And we grew, a lot of us grew up in church and we're taught that sex was this bad thing, but it's not. So God, give us the, the, the fire to, to come together in this way. For men, it will be easy. For women, maybe not as much. But, but help us to, to grow and learn together and to learn one another and, and to just continue to push forward towards that ultimate goal, which is unity which is unity. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.